0: Hello, this is the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya. Welcome to podcast number 63. I hope everyone's doing okay, uh, or as well as you can be during this time. Um, now, this podcast is with my friend Bo Campbell from Front End Loader. It was recorded quite a while ago, pre-COVID, as a matter of fact. Uh, so that's, I guess, some good news is that there's no COVID chat on this podcast, so you can look forward to that. Um I don't really have a reason for the long time between the recording and release, except that I didn't get around to editing it. Um, but I do think it's a really good chat and, and it should be out there in the world for you to listen to. Bo is super open and candid about his life and music and his 27 years in the band Frontend End Loader. Um, we chat about so many things, including the music that changed his life. Um, Sydney Music Scene in the 90s, Publishing and Owning Your Own Masters, Roadkill, um, and also Front and Loader's excellent and infamous ARIA speech. I've put their speech in my show notes um, in case you want to read it. It's well worth a read. Um, and I've also put a link to Albert Tucker's artwork, The Possessed, which is um, we talk about quite a bit towards the end of the podcast. There's a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, Bo's strange show story was illustrated by Stephen Gilbert. Uh, it's a brilliant illustration. Thank you so much, Stephen. You can follow him on Instagram at P L I G G O T. um As always, you can see all illustrations for the podcast on Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. Uh, please rate my podcast on iTunes if you want to. I would love it if you did. Thank you so much again for listening. Here is here's a podcast number sixty three, Beau Campbell. Straight into asking you, do you have a first musical memory? Like, do you remember the thing that made you want to be a musician when you were a kid?
1: Uh, It's fairly easy for me to answer that. My father was a musician. Right. Mm, He was a, well, it still is, really. He doesn't play much anymore, but a a folk musician. Guitar? Yeah, guitar, you know, big old jumbo, 12-string, you know, pseudo-evangelical sort of liberation theology touring musician right. so from a very early age that's that's what he did so some of my earliest memories are basically f- following my dad around on tour like with the entire family so when we were when I was about 6 which means my three younger siblings were all younger than that my dad went on a world tour supporting Peter Paul and Mary wow so we and then he made a record at Paul, Noel Stuckey from Peter, Paul and Mary's studio in Maine. So I lived in the States for six months when I was six or something. And So it, I don't think I can really squarely lay the blame anywhere else apart from the fact that I just thought it was normal. That's yeah. what people's dads did.
0: Do you have memories of that time in Maine?
1: I do, yeah. They had a pig called Sweet Pea. Oh, and it was a beautiful farmhouse. Maine was beautiful, I seem to remember. I, I went to school there. I was the only kid old enough to go to school, but well, I got the little yellow school bus and you know, ate, in the, the ate in the cafeteria and you know, <laughs> did all that. I remember not standing up for, to, for the Oath of Allegiance going, I'm not American, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Even at six, I'm going, nah. Fuck it. No, nah, that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm Australian, fuck this. So look, it's really, like I think it's very easy for me to answer that question because it was just it was normal. Like I I realised pretty quickly that not everyone's dad did that, but that's what mine did.
0: Did you then learn guitar from your dad? Yeah, initially, yeah.
1: I mean, he taught me the basic chords and lent me a whole bunch of books that he'd learnt, you know, bluegrass and all that sort of stuff. I've still got them. He doesn't know I've got them. Don't (laughs) don't tell him.
0: He'll never listen to this. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) So, were you learning folk songs?
1: Uh, Some. Like, he, um, my parents were interesting. My dad was right into that. Like, he was he's fucking Dylan Tragic and, you know, he loved all sort of Joan Baez and Bruce Coburn, this Canadian artist, who was quite amazing and still is from what I can tell. Whereas my mum was right into the Beatles and the Stones and Hendrix and, you know, she liked all the fuzzed out crazy shit. Like, they we were both both very musical, but my dad actually did it and that's mm. that's what we did. But then, you know, then I grew some pubes and listened to Guns N' Roses and decided <laughs> I'd get an electric guitar and then, you know that's pretty much the end of my life.
0: I love that Guns N' Roses just come up so often in this podcast. Really? I (laughs) feel like they're a real turning point for so many people. I don't know why that is. I think because they were just strikingly punk rock and obnoxious and, you know, they were like everything a teenage boy wants to be. Pretty much.
1: I don't think you could say the same for teenage girls. No. But, you know, and really I can still think about it now and from a guitar playing perspective guy Slash, whatever his name is, yeah. Saul Hudson, Paul Hudson, I can't is remember. Is that his real name? I can't remember. Um. I, I would have known when I was 16, now I forget.
0: Like <laughs> William he was actually, Bailey was Axl, wasn't it?
1: Uh, probably, I don't know, See so you know that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> That's on you. <laughs> Saul Hudson, I think, was Slash's real name. Anywho, I actually just think he's a really, like he can do all the shredding, widdly diddly business, but it's actually really quite melodic and, and smart. Yeah. As opposed to something like Slayer, which to me is just this sort of... little bl- bl- technical. fucking mm. garbage, you know. I've never been interested in that. Yeah. The same friend introduced me. I think he gave me a cassette that had Appetite for Destruction on one side and a Motorhead album on the other side. And it was just like... Powerful Holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and that, was, that was it. For <laughs> that me. was it. Yeah. It was all over.
0: What was your first guitar? Electric guitar.
1: It was a Schecter. I don't know anything about it, no. apart from that it was very nice. It had a pointy headstock, mm-hmm. which apparently I thought was cool at the time. It had a tremolo arm, which I thought was cool Sweet. at the time. It had locking, you know, tuning system. Then I got rid of that as soon as I could and got a real guitar.
0: Did you, like, try and get, like, a Les Paul, like, slash, or...? No, I got
1: a SG, and I still have it. Great. Every front loader record and song has been written and played on that guitar.
0: Are you a gearhead? Do you no. collect stuff? No.
1: I have some nice guitars, but not because I know anything about it. Like, I seriously know absolutely shit all about gear. <laughs> I, I really do.
0: Do people try and talk to you about it? Yes. It and bores me like, stupid, going, yeah, um, no. I've, I've got to go over here now. <laughs> That's a good um, public service announcement for anyone trying to talk to you after a gig. I'm happy Don't to guess.
1: listen, but it just frankly bores me and again, can Look, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have a, I have the same guitar I've had since 1994, and I have the same amplifier I've had since a similar time. And I used to use some pedals, but then they broke, so I stopped using them, and now that's it. I just
0: can't be fucked. Do you just use amp distortion?
1: Yes, and on the volume on the guitar. Yeah. I have a distortion pedal, but I used to have a wah pedal, and that was, you know, it was fun, and then it broke, so I stopped using it. Rather than pay to get it fixed, I just went, oh, fuck it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you started playing electric guitar. Yeah. Then what did you, did you start a band? Yeah. And do you remember the name of your first band?
1: The Edelweiss Pirates. Wow.
0: Mm. Where did that it's come German from? German yes, the very German.
1: So you may remember this, so yeah, the uh, Hitler Youth.
0: Uh, I'm not quite old enough to recall. <laughs> no no,
1: no offence, but I mean, you know, you, being a woman of words and history you know sure, you are sure, aware sure. that there was I, the whole I am Nazi aware thing. aware of the concept anywho so there was a counter movement called that called themselves the edelbeis pirates i don't know why maybe because of julie andrews
0: yeah <laughs> probably
1: <laughs> anyway they formed a alternative youth group that one of their main activities was to hunt down and beat the fuck out of nazis nazis so it's a very stupid name for a band but i think the uh, you know sentiment behind it was worthwhile
0: yeah that's like the most, I think, meaningful and deep first band name that I've heard on this podcast.
1: Speaking of my dad, he always wanted to be in a band called The Hot Crotchets.
0: Oh, that's pretty good. Well, it's not bad for
1: a bloke who was born in 1950. He yeah. could always be quite risque. I'm going, cool. Dad, you do know there's a band called Anal Cunt, right?
0: <laughs> Anal Crucifixion.
1: <laughs> Either or. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Jesus and buttholes in it. It's bound to be offensive to someone.
0: So what kind of music did the, did the Edelweiss... Pirates. Pirates...
1: Well, right. nothing really has changed. It was probably uh, a combination of folk and metal. Earnest teenage folk metal. Mm-hmm. Which sounds absolutely appalling now that I say it out loud. And it probably was.
0: Folk metal. Mm. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, thank you. It's not as bad as uh, like anything with the word fusion in it. No,
1: there was no fusion.
0: And did you write songs for that band? Yeah. And how did you find writing songs was it a bit of a revelation
1: very much so and i still you know i'm not into gear i I love performing like that's great i love recording but to me from a musical perspective the thing i like the most is writing Mm. like just you know the very idea that you can make something out of nothing yeah you know what i mean like before there was nothing and then you have an idea and if you've got some skill that can it between your head and your imagination and your heart and into your hands or your feet or whatever instrument you choose to play. That's the risk of sounding like a tragic hippie. That's actually magic.
0: It's beautiful. If you can make something, yeah.
1: and then if you can record it, it's like, well, there's a a
0: everyone. record of it. Yeah. And then if
1: you, you know, and if you go and see a band live that you love, and they'll you'll never hear the same thing again. Yeah, they'll play it different Unless every time it's to
0: backing track. Yes. Um. So. Front End Loader, is has that been your? Was that your first kind of serious band? Yes. And it's been ar- Front End Loader have been around for thirty. Uh, years. come on,
1: twenty seven. Twenty seven.
0: <laughs> Not that old. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty close.
1: You were close. Same <laughs> decade.
0: That's amazing. Are you proud of the fact that you've been with with the same project? I mean, that's longer than you know most relationships.
1: All relationships yeah. really in my yeah. experience. Uh I don't know. Proud is such a strong word. Is it? I don't know. Proud, ashamed.
0: <laughs> what are you <laughs> What are you ashamed of?
1: <laughs> the fact that I'm still behaving like a fucking teenager 27 years later.
0: It, it's sort of like a Peter Pan syndrome a lot of people I know have where you just you want to you sort of want to hold on to your youth and you want to live like you have Forever because it's what's fun and what
1: works. Yeah, I, c- I can truthfully say that that is not the case. You know, We are under no illusions that we're perpetuating some kind of teenage wank fantasy. You know? yeah, okay. like we, we are men, old, nasty, stinky, hairy men now. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> like yeah, it's, no, I'm it's not... Um, and relationship has developed, but it's the same people. It's the same four people that it has been since 1991. And I won't say that there hasn't been... You know trials and tribulations along the way, but you know we are close friends, and continue to be. And the simple fact is that we still enjoy it. Yeah. And, and we're under no illusions that anybody else enjoys it. We do it because we can. You
0: have no problem saying, "This is what we do." It doesn't matter what you do. I mean,
1: why, why would you do it any other way?
0: Well, people get really carried away with industry and and wanting to please your audience and wanting to do it for fame or money or
1: really if i were if now that i'm thinking about it if anything the reason we started a band in the first place was because we didn't want to do that like we we formed in reaction to a whole bunch of bands in sydney who's all had single word names that started with s and they were all just wet and it just was like oh fuck you know i'm so sick of hearing this garbage like we could be we could do better than this let's let's try this
0: what do you mean by wet? Sort of facile, just sort of mm.
1: mindlessly aping whatever was happening in the UK or, and this is pre-grunge, you know, we sort of got lumped in with the whole grunge thing. It's like, we're not grunge, we like AC/DC and the fucking Colton, and, mm. but we also like XDC and, you know, like...
0: More melodic stuff, we're just yeah. smart,
1: we like smart, nasty music, that's what we like. Yeah. I don't see any reason why, particularly if you're going to join a band, why you should suck a dick there's anything wrong with tucking your dick, you know, but like if I wanted to be told what to do, I would have joined the army. Sure. You you join a band because you can do whatever you like. Yeah. And so regardless of how much money might, may or may not be, not that we've ever had money waved in our face, it's like, well, no, we like making music like this and that's what we're going to do. And so whether you like it or not is really not of our concern. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that we used to think that, you know, we were the bee's knees in the mid-90s going, oh, we're young and fucking fantastic and we're going to be huge. And it's like, well, no, we're not. And it's like, well, who fucking cares? Yeah. And we used to say, oh, we don't give a fuck. But now we really don't give a fuck. We don't do it for any other reason other than we like it. Yeah. And having put in the yards, we can still tour most of the country and get enough people to pay for itself and justify its own existence. So we're we're not out of pocket personally. And at the end of the day, it is, you know... Free beer and travel with yeah. your mates.
0: Well, you get a certain fulfilment out of doing what you love, and absolutely not getting yeah, not having losses because of it, and also
1: not being beholden to anything else. Like it's mm. it's not the point.
0: Yeah, but do you feel like in the last twenty seven years things have changed so much in the way that people consume music, and obviously like social media and everything is as come around do you get involved in making sure that you know your music's communicated in a different way now or well, davis does that a little bit in your no he doesn't yet.
1: davis will have a rant on facebook which is always amusing but it doesn't serve any practical purpose if he remembers to post on facebook the fact that we have a gig yeah. then people might come yeah but often he just forgets yeah right. so we go, to, we go why isn't there anybody here did you tell anyone about this gig oh <laughs> fuck no fuck
0: but you're it. what about streaming do you what are your opinions no idea. on streaming no idea
1: we we hooked up with Sugar Rush with Yeah Craig and Deb and they went, We'll just put all your music online. We went, Great. What's it gonna cost us? And they went, I don't know this and we went, Yep, yeah, that sounds good because if you don't do it, we're no never one's gonna, gonna, do, gonna it. do it. And so it took us like it was fifteen years before any of our music was available online yeah. at all because we're so shit that we just couldn't be fucked. <laughs> 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 Who wants to buy a CD? A what now? <laughs> <laughs> Have you got it on vinyl? What? No. <laughs>
0: Have you ever released things on vinyl?
1: Our first record was released on vinyl. And we went to Berlin once. You'd like this. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in uh, Berlin and we went to a record shop, as you do. And sure enough, there's our first record in the bargain bin. A five Deutschmark, as it was then.
0: Yeah, mm. before the Euro.
1: You know you made it <laughs> when you were in a bargain bin.
0: Um, I know people probably ask you about this a lot, but... One of my favorite things about Frontend Loader is the aria speech that you guys wrote. You know, for those of you who haven't seen it, definitely try and find Lindsay McDougal from Friends all Rum reading the speech because not you won the best aria for best rock. Hard rock/heavy hard rock hard rock, metal. Heavy metal. <laughs> and <laughs> and you famously wrote a, a letter saying that, you know, you you guys didn't have the money to go to the arias cuz it all cost money. And you kind of didn't believe in the industry.
1: Well, may I elaborate? Yes, okay. of course. I will first, in the interest of full disclosure, say that that speech was all Davis. Yeah. Right? Davis is...
0: It was amazing. I loved... The speech was incredible. I, I,
1: I agree. He has always had my respect. He's my best friend. But yep. that was a particularly good it's piece a good of moment. work by him. <laughs> Anywho. So, Shock, who was... You know, we self-released our record, but Shock distributed it. And Shock, Mike Bolton rings us and goes, "Hey, yeah." Uh, Guess what? You've been nominated for an aria. And we're like, get fucked. We have not. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, you have. Go, oh, oh, God. Really? Fuck. <laughs> and we're like, well, who's like, well what even is the aria? Like, who even votes for it? Who decided that we'd get an aria? And he's going, oh, you know, it's a you know panel of your peers. What peers? They're not our peers. What? And we just went, oh, well, that's pretty funny. And they just forgot about it. And mm. then it's fucking lady friends, you know, our, our, our women folk are going, oh, come on. Stop being such cranky old dickheads come on, we'll go to the Arias, we'll frock up, we'll walk the red carpet, we'll get really pissed, it'll be hilarious. And I went, oh God, all right. So I rang Aria. <laughs> we must. Well, it's like, I didn't want to, like, it's <laughs> fucking bullshit, like, a fucking Aria, fucking, who cares? Anyway, so I ring Aria, and I speak to this nice 12-year-old receptionist, and I said, so, um, my band's been nominated for an Aria, how many tickets do we get? She goes, well, tickets are $595 each. You what now? She goes, well, they're five hundred ninety-five dollars each. I said, "Yeah, yeah, but we've nominated for an award." She goes, "Yes." Well, they're five hundred ninety-five dollars each. Normally, your label would pay for that. Said, yes, but we don't have a label. Thanks for your time.
0: <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: <laughs> like, if I'm going to spend a thousand bucks on a night out for me and my partner, I'm fucked if it's going to be at the Arias. Yeah. And also, I probably wouldn't leave the house. Yeah i probably just order in some stuff and yeah, stay at home. get
0: a nice meal.
1: Anyway, so David's going, yeah, but what if we win? I'm going, Davis, we're not going to win. Just fucking, no, I'll write a speech. We're
0: Do you remember people. who you were up against?
1: No. Cosmic <laughs> Psychos, I remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. She knows. They were robbed. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so Davis, his initial plan was he wrote the speech, which is brilliant. I'll give him that. But his first idea was to have Tim Friedman read it out because he knew Tim would be there. Yeah. And it's a well documented fact that we fucking hate Tim Friedman. Sure. And he hates us. Sure. With good reason. You know, <laughs> reciprocated. So Davis rang Tim and said, Tim Hey, Friedman Tim. Friedman from the Whitley. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He goes, Hey, Tim. What? It's Davis. Yeah, right. He goes, um, So we've been nominated for an IBA. Oh, congratulations, Davis. That's No worries, mate. Hey, uh, you'll be there, won't you? Yes, I'll be there. Of course, he would be there. If we win, can you read our speech? He goes, Why would I do that, Davis? He goes, because it'd be funny. Tim's going, why would it be funny? He's going, it would be funny if Tim Friedman read front-end Lowe's acceptance speech. Can you do it? No, I'm not doing that. It's not funny. So,
0: Damn. We had to go It would have with, been funny.
1: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but we knew Lindsay would be there in half cut, and he yeah. was, and he did a fine job.
0: He did a great job. Yeah. Even though it wasn't televised.
1: <laughs> I was due to start a new job the next day. I was ironing my trousers. In this very room, uh, in there... Hiding my pants, and I started getting text messages from people. You just want an ARIA, like people I know who were there. Yeah. I mean, you just want an ARIA. Get fucked, They did not. <laughs> no, you did.
0: The whole, the whole speech was amazing, and it should forever be like a framed speech on everyone's wall.
1: Look, I can truthfully say that I don't know what Richard's done with his, but I know that Davis's, mine, and Pete's are all used as toilet roll holders yeah. in our toilets. That's and I don't weird. think that's. Specific to us. I know a lot of people in bands that have won areas that have done exactly the same thing.
0: So speaking of other Australian bands, do you feel like Sydney has a really, like a sense of camaraderie amongst its bands?
1: I think about it now. And and yes, I'm particularly, and I'm talking like a crotchety old man again, but the early 90s in Sydney was actually pretty good. Like, you know, Sydney has gone completely to shit now. It's completely died in the arse and there's many reasons for that. But and sometimes I think these days I get confused as to which bands we actually used to play with or those bands that we used to go and see mm. before we could get gigs. So um, you know, the Hard Ons or the Hellmen or Mass Appeal or the Proton Energy Pills or early Tumbleweed and, you know, and then you see all these other bands go on to bigger and better things and it's like, and you get a bit fucking jealous or a bit snarky about it. But then, you know. Now I run into any of those people, and it's like, ah, oh, you're still going, off. you know, it's there's something to be said for longevity and also yeah. for respect. You know, those there's plenty of people that have fallen by the wayside because their lives get in the way or because they die,
0: yeah,
1: you know, and, and drugs often have a lot to do with that, and yeah. it's, you know, that is what it is. But I think I have respect for anybody that doesn't stop, do you, Me you, know, too. I, you know what I mean, like, yeah, it's like, well. Yeah, you might have had 17 children or, yes, you might have a high-paying job, but y- you need to do this. And if yeah. you stop doing it, then what are you doing? The
0: man's one.
1: Exactly. Well, not even the man's one, but you've, you've allowed yourself to be defeated by things that are entirely within your control. Yeah. And even people say to me now, like, they'll be in their 40s going, oh, I could never play an instrument. Go, yes, you it can.
0: It's never Just fucking like pick
1: one up and have a crack. It's li- yeah. it's, it isn't too late. I don't care if you play it badly. You'll enjoy it. Like, there's something to be said for sitting down just yourself and whatever instrument you choose and going, I made this.
0: Absolutely. I can make a, can make a pleasant Absolutely. noise or I can make a hideous noise yeah. because that's what I like. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have management?
1: Yeah, a few times. But they wanted us to do things. Uh, we need to take <laughs> photos. Why? We've got to go and have a photo shoot. Why? What's that going to cost? Oh, Stussy wants you to do a photo shoot wearing their clothes. No. Well, no. What? No. <laughs> Is this what we're paying you for?
0: How did you pay for albums? Gigs. Gigs.
1: No, we were signed We were signed to Shagpile, which is a subsidiary... Well, it was a, its own independent label first, and then it got subsumed by Shock, and then Shock went to the arse. But it was all through Shock Publishing, so we had money from publishing that paid for the record, and stupid children signed a publishing deal that had a seven-year retention period. Oh, so wow, took, yeah. it took years to fucking finally go, yeah. we own everything. But now... We own everything. We own all our publishing and all our master recordings. And for a golden period, Davis was working at a CD manufacturing place, which meant he got a very good deal, which meant that we could repress if that's what you call it oh, the cds yeah, yeah. re-manufacture whatever I don't, know. I don't know what the children call it either. anyway but for the first time all these records that hadn't been available and we went on tour and jess was doing merch for us and we took everything and it, we just fucking cleaned up yeah going, oh i used to have this cd you oh, it's so that that sort of um self-determination and owning everything is really something and maybe that's a you know it's a a punk thing and while we like no means no so much is this well if you are in control of everything then you're far less likely to be fucked with
0: yeah you know what i mean how do you feel about bands like fugazi that you know charge like whatever they charge 20 dollars or less for each show and don't do merch
1: oh look i've got a lot of respect for fugazi and i really like their music but also i find i don't reckon i'd want to be in a fucking tour van with ian Mackay.
0: Yeah. I think it'd be an irritating
1: twat, don't you? <laughs> I think it'd be a fucking know. vegan fucking horror show.
0: I could definitely get on the vegan wagon.
1: Yeah, well that's fine. <laughs>
0: you you're allowed.
1: <laughs> I like Figazi, I've seen Figazi. I like their music. I think it's uncompromising. They don't use pedals, you know, they but also
0: But they don't have any the, merch, right? I don't know. They don't do any capitalism.
1: And that's good and I appreciate that. But you gotta eat.
0: Sure. There's a difference
1: between rampant capitalism and do we have enough petrol to get to the next gig, in which case let's print a few T-shirts and then we won't be by the side of the road going, "Um, we're fucked.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever run out of petrol on tour? Yes. Have you ever hit, like have you had roadkill accidents? Oh, yes. We've been really lucky. I think we hit a deer once. That was pretty scary.
1: Sheep. Sheep tend to just explode. Really? Yeah, they just oh, sort of go. Jesus pfft. Christ! You've got to dig it out of the grill. Ugh! But hit a kangaroo, you fucked.
0: Yeah. Well, a if deer, it's mid jump. Be, yeah. Yeah, deer's fucked.
1: You get a fucking big kangaroo through your windscreen, you're yeah. fucked. Yeah. But now you're talking about because we toured by road all the time, and it's it's downs me to this day that we didn't die. I know a few bands that have had horrific accidents and lost members, and
0: yeah, me too.
1: You know, it's just a. So the odds, you know, touring in Europe, the time it takes you to drive from Sydney to Brisbane, you've been through four countries and four currencies and four That's languages right. and a yeah. thousand places to play. Yeah, here you can go from Sydney and maybe stop in Armidale or Coffs Harbour.
0: Or, and you've had to play in Coffs Harbour, which is yeah, it's which a real drag. A insult
1: to injury. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I actually have a friend who you know who sent me a couple of questions. Right. One of the questions is so this is. Are you going to tell me who this friend yeah, is? Yeah, this is a, our, our friend John Mercer. Call, call
1: a request. <laughs> yeah. John, John Dominance, Mer- yeah.
0: John Mercer asks, why don't you ever play Woe Are Us live?
1: Because we can't remember how it goes. Cool. And we can't be fucked remembering it.
0: Easy answer.
1: <laughs> like many of our songs. What you need to understand, John, is that when we wrote all these songs, we were incredibly high. <laughs>
0: And now you can't remember how they no, how they happen, let
1: alone how to play them. <laughs> and now that none of us smoke too much pot, but we do drink heavily, we're just physically incapable of a remembering it and b playing it. Sure. It's the same for any song. Why? Do you, how come you never play this? Because we don't remember how it goes. <laughs>
0: And we can't be bothered working it out. Pretty much.
1: (laughs) You've hit the nail right on the head there, say.
0: What about, this is his other question. Right. Um, What is the best I've ever had at Brisbane Entertainment Centre, as mentioned, in Mandino Deluxe?
1: Uh, So Mandino Deluxe is a song from our record from some time ago. So I used to live in this tiny little house in Ultimo in Sydney and we regularly got marketing material under the door for some reason, it was always about those motivational speakers, you know, like Anthony Robbins, those sort of, you know, that guy yeah. with too many teeth and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, be your best and awaken the giant within yeah. and all that sort of...
0: the past is a cancelled check, okay? Yeah, like, yeah.
1: fuck that guy. <laughs> anyway, one of them was this guy called Og Mandino. That's like, It's that, as if his name itself Og. isn't enough, Og. <laughs> I can only assume it's short for Ogden or Mandius or some yeah. shit, I don't know. Anyway, I get this leaflet... And he's, you know, apparently there's pictures of him in the leaflet, you know, motivationally speaking to a packed Brisbane entertainment centre. I never saw Ogmandino live, but it was a reaction to stop sending me this shit. Sure. And it's bullshit. <laughs> and just go and get fucked.
0: <laughs> Ogmandino. So back to my question. Yes, please. You did a duet with Barry Crocker. It wasn't a duet. It was a group. group. It was effort. a group effort. Mm. A duet between Front Loder Loader and Barry Crocker.
1: Yes, if you will.
0: Tell yes. me about that.
1: Well, it was the International Year of the Older Person. I didn't know that was a thing. Did you no, know that was I a thing? I didn't know that was a thing. It was a long time ago now. I can't remember when. But we were approached by a woman called Helen Carter, who, as it turned out, was and is the bass player in Do Re Mi. Oh, wow. Mm.
0: Cool. And she
1: was working in aged care for a group called the Hammond Care Group, and I can only assume it was her that came up with this idea that to celebrate this International Year of the Older Person, let's get young Australian artists and pair them up with older Australian artists and do a recording and release an album. So she did. So I think we had, I think Mental As Anything did one. I don't know how they qualify as young, but anyway.
0: <laughs> mentals and younger at the and time. Younger,
1: <laughs> Middle period <laughs> Anyway I think they did a song With Maria Venuti And then there's uh, Dave Graney did one With the Gaiety Swing Band Who's this 70 piece wow. Swing orchestra Down here Wow and, and for some reason Bless them They thought We should get Franny Loader And Barry Crocker
0: That and is we went, amazing yeah, okay
1: <laughs> So we did And then f- I can't remember how it happened But for some reason We thought that Doing Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen Would be a good song to do great With Bazza. It is a great song Yeah And so we went to Megaphone Studios in Sydney and we recorded our, I don't know, punk rock version of it. And then Barry Baza comes in and he just smashed it. He just fucking smashed it. Like he, he is exactly as you imagine. Wow. He is. Like he is Baza McKenzie. He's Barry Crocker. He's just all things
0: incredible to
1: all people and he comes in and he goes right well let's have a listen to what you've done fellas he goes oh that's a bit strident he goes i'll just have a run through and he goes oh, it's just killer and he goes right let's go and so he just did it in one take and we're all just sitting there going holy fuck
0: wow holy fuck professional
1: no consummate professional
0: amazing i love those stories
1: anywho so then then paul mcdermott your mate gets played a show with it. paul
0: mcdermott tonight for yes, those of you did. that need context <laughs>
1: Well, there's two Paul McDermott's. We're talking about the TV guy, yep. not the music guy. Anywho, so somehow the Good News Week team heard about this and thought it'd be funny to get Frontier Loder and Barry Crocker in to play the song. Yeah. So we did. And Barry was quite upset oh. because we said, all right, well, we'll take our own amps and we'll plug it in. He's going, what do you mean you're going to play live? going, yes, Barry, that's what that's we, do. we going, do. No, 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 Sure, surely I'll just sing to you backing track and you can mime. It's like... No, Barry, we we don't do that. There will be no miming. (laughs) There'll be none of that. Anyway, so that we did that, and then, then Paul Mack the other Paul McDermott, yeah, he said, you guys are alright, the rock and roll music, aren't you?" Yeah, we we go okay. So we got we got asked back about four or five times to go and play rock and roll. We played songs with Marsha Hines. Wow. And Paul McDermott. He, I remember we played a Britney Spears cover with Paul McDermott on telly. Right. The catering was exceptional.
0: That's nice to hear. And
1: they ironed our clothes.
0: Oh, wow. They
1: had a team of wardrobe people that ironed our dodgy suits.
0: That's lovely.
1: It was nice. We'd never experienced anything quite like it.
0: That's, yeah, that's a Anywho, so nice later treatment.
1: we were somewhere. It might have even been there. Barry turns up with his missus, or his current crush. Sure. who was Katie Manning, who was Joe Grant in Doctor Who. Wow. Yeah, yeah, man.
0: Wow, this is a whole like, world of...
1: I know. It's just... <laughs> World's colliding.
0: Yeah. Just
1: you know, childhood celebrities just going, What the yeah. fuck's going on here? Not only <laughs> is it Barry McKenzie, it's Joe Grant. <laughs> Holy shit.
0: Have you had other moments in your life where you're you've just been like, Holy shit, what what is this life? What are we doing and who's that? Why is that person there?
1: Yes. Albert Tucker.
0: Why do I know that name?
1: Australian painter. Oh yep. So we used a painting of his, it's quite famous, The Possessed, it's called, this little figure in an enclosed room, basically freaking out.
0: Yep.
1: It was a perfect image. We wanted to use it as an album cover. So I went through the, I've done some work in copyright, I went, well, who owns this image, how can we use it? It was owned by the Gallery of Queensland, worked out how to do it. If we paid them a fee, we were able to use the image, which we did, and we put it on the record, and it was great. We were happy to do it. At some point I thought, I should probably try and contact Albert Tucker just to say, look, we really love your artwork. Yeah. This is why we did it. Thanks so much. So yeah. somehow I got in touch with his agent and then somehow I got his home phone number and I rang him and I think I was talking to his daughter. I said, uh, look, you know, this is a really long story. I don't expect you to understand. My name's Bo. I'm calling from this band, Fronty Loader. We've just used one of Albert's paintings on our album. I just wanted to, if he's available, say thank you. And she goes... <coughs> well, look, look, I'll put him on But I don't know That'll be of much benefit to either of you I said, that's fine <gasps> Just put him on What does that mean? So anyway, he goes <laughs> Hello said, Hi, Albert My name's Bo Kemble I did the whole fucking spiel He goes, my, name, oh, my name's Bo. I'm from Frontier just wanted to say we just it. He goes What was that you said about a tractor? <laughs> <laughs> and just, at that point, I just went You know what? Lovely to talk to you Thanks so much Goodbye Thought nothing of it I tried Yeah. Anywho, so Next, that is about two or three months later, we're in Melbourne, St Kilda, where we used to stay, at the Galleon Cafe, which you may remember, and I'm sitting there eating my bacon and eggs and trying not to shake while I'm drinking my coffee, and who should walk in but Albert fucking Tucker, and sit at the table next to us, and I'm going, fuck, I really need to get my balls out of here. <laughs> That's Albert Tucker. I just need to go over and actually talk to the guy. Yeah. So it took me a while, but I did. And he goes sit down and i had about a 45 minute conversation with this iconic australian artist who was so effusive and so supportive and he's going i don't know what it must be like for you people now making art you know when i was young and the war was on it was a thing we could do it we could make a living it must be so i just left there going oh my god oh my god that is the best conversation i've ever had in my life. Amazing. <laughs> mm.
0: What a beautiful moment. It was great. And I wonder what it was, he was having a bad day when you called him. Oh, no, he's just old and he's deaf. He's just old, yeah, right. Old and
1: deaf. You know. But he lived around the corner in St Kilda, so it's like, yeah. I didn't expect anything from it, but it was yeah. important to me to go, hey. To try. Thanks. Yeah. And probably if he hadn't run and come into that cafe, I would never have done it, and I'd, yeah. be, I'd be sad. And he's dead now, but it's like, holy fuck. And not only... Was it personally gratifying for me? But also, he just imparted all this. It's like, oh fuck, you are actually right on it, Anya. You?
0: Made you feel better about your life choices? Not necessarily.
1: And and most of Albert Tucker's work doesn't isn't geared towards making anybody feel good.
0: No, but I mean, you know, like you feel validated choosing art as a, a life for you. Well,
1: I think it was very informative to talk to somebody who was at the end of his life mm. who had done nothing but. I mean, he did do other things. He was in the war and he was, you know, he did all kinds of, you know, journalistic stuff. Like, he, you know, one or two world wars. Like, he, and, but, you know, just the generosity of spirit, you know, and he was yeah. old and a bit dithering and whatever, but he was more than happy once he realized who the fuck I was and what I was talking about. Like, yeah. he didn't know who I was, sure. but once he worked out, all right, you're talking to me because of this, he, he clearly felt no reticence in saying, well, Here's what I reckon, and yeah, and it was and seemed genuinely interested. So I just that's so lovely. I was on cloud nine for Aww. weeks after that.
0: That's so nice. It's good. It's nice to hear an actual positive story about meeting a hero, because I yeah. hear a lot of stories where you know people get their hearts broken by yeah, because they're assholes. Someone they yeah, yeah, someone they love. Um, I'm really keen to hear your story. Um, so the same question I ask everyone at the end of every episode is tell me your strangest show experience or the strangest thing that's happened to you because you play music.
1: The Front Loader began in, in 91 and then I started a degree at Sydney Uni in 92 It lasted about five minutes. But we joined the band competition. But by the end of the band competition, we were playing quite regularly and then we got to know the activities officer at Sydney University. So, you know, we were doing this band competition and Ian Johnson, who's now become a mate of ours, said, look, so I've got this line-up. Would Front Air Loader like to play this gig? And we said, what's the gig? And so it was John Paul Young, <laughs> in Dynasty, the Australian <laughs> Kiss Experience. Amazing. And Front Air Loader, right? So that's a little Perfect. weird to begin with. <laughs> right? So <clears throat> further to our discussion offline earlier, we may have been tripping balls. <laughs> And at some point, Davis, who was compromised, was just freaking out at the fact that he was watching JPY, that he went to the front of the stage and was touching John Paul oh Young's no. legs. Oh, no. And John Paul Young's guitarist got very affronted and was, like, kicking him in the head <laughs> to get him off.
0: Get him off Paul Young's legs. Pretty
1: much. And, and it got to the point where our first album... It turned out being self-titled, which is very dull. But there was a time when we were going to call our first record Kicked in the Head by JPY.
0: That's a great title. Hey, thanks so much for talking to me. I've really enjoyed our chat.
1: Well, you say that to all the guys, but, you know. (laughs) I, too, have enjoyed our chat. Great. Is there anything else you'd like to ask me before we go? I had one more
0: question. There we
1: go. Is this a caller question or is it one of yours?
0: No, it's one of mine. All right. Tell me about the spirit animals in your logo.
1: Uh, well, <clears throat> Peter Costich, who is our resident artist, came up with him himself. So you may be better served asking him. Right. But are you asking who is who? Yeah. All right.
0: Well, the
1: goat is Davis. Yeah. The black swan is Richard Corey.
0: Yeah. The
1: bison is Peter. And the bulldog is me. I like that. Well, it just makes
0: perfect sense. It does.
1: He's not as dumb as he looks, you know.
0: <laughs> Very smart man.
1: After a fashion, yes. He's, <laughs> he's a certain rat cunning. I'll give him that.
0: Hey, thanks, Bo.
1: My pleasure, Saya.